laughing big heads Dreaming about a premiership cup We love our clubs but they never win Two flags in 100 years The shit house if you think we'll be insightful Clever or just well researched We're here to say that's not the case We'll just go out and wing it We are two guys, one it is Wednesday, July 28. Welcome to Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL-adjacent podcast. My name is Will Anderson. And my name is Charlie Clawson. And I think we've made a mistake making this like a later-in-the-week podcast or even like a midweek when we record, release on Thursday. Because don't you think it feels like a million years ago? Before we go to record, I'm always like, who played last weekend? It's like, Port played Collingwood? That feels like it was 20 years ago. I don't know. I, I, I think that I am one of those people that definitely when the crowds go away, there is part of me that makes, it doesn't quite feel like it's real to me. Yeah. I go back into like, yeah, okay, we just need to know what all these results are and we're going to keep playing, but it doesn't really feel like, and but and I know there's some interest in like the bottom of the eight. There's still a few teams that can make the bottom of the eight, but then the rest of it feels like it's been settled for a fair while and it's almost a sense of, Ah, let's, you know, it'd be good if crowds were back and we could just get on with it. That seems to be the prevailing feeling, I think. You want another festival to football. You want to just like cram these next, even if it's, even if the grounds are opening up and we can safely get people back, you're like, who gives a shit? Let's just do them in a week. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Because there are some games like the Hawthorne Adelaide game. And I know Adelaide fans, they've copped a lot from us this year. Well, for, for the last couple of years, but there were some games where you're like, Oh, come on. Just get it done. <laughs> like, hurry up. I want to read nine things on the AFL website. <laughs> you guys are taking too long to finish your match. Just wrap it up, guys. Come, come on. on. Someone's going to win. Let's get it you done. You know what? I've said it before. I'll say it again. We've talked about the idea of bringing back 16-minute quarters. I say yes for some games. Like, we nominate I mean, which games should only go for 16-minute quarters. And I think that if you saw Hawthorne Adelaide, you'd be like, you know what? 12-minute quarters. We'll get the whole yeah. thing done for 12-minute quarters. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting too. Like, there's a bunch of games that you'd be like, oh, okay, fine. But then there were some results that I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like, Melbourne, I think now, officially uh, look shaky. I think there's just been a few... You lost to them the first time you played them, right? And that was kind yeah, of but I, real... but I, here's what I will say. I watched that game, and mm. halfway through the last quarter, Melbourne got within a kick. Yeah, they but... They never they weren't felt a like million they were miles out of it. Like, yeah, but they no, were playing their best. And this the thing about Melbourne is they're clearly not playing at their best, and they're still super competitive. I know what you're doing, Will. You are trying anything you can to avoid the Bulldogs being installed as Premiership favourites, but you don't have to worry, mate, because they're not. It's the Cats. That's what everyone's saying. It's guaranteed, cats, basically. I mean, everybody I mean, I else should just shut it down and give it to Geelong. I was thinking about like how so there's the lose. And the pressure is all on their shoulders. My prediction. That is my, I mean, I'm glad that you finally said it out loud because clearly for the last (laughs) at least four weeks, I am just massive disinformation. You know that strategy of like the dead cat? It's like a political strategy, which if some shit is going down, like the, the analogy is you throw a dead cat on the table and then everybody else stops talking about everything else. And then they're like, what the fuck's going on with this dead cat? That is me in relation to the Bulldogs being on top of the AFL ladder. I am dead catting, and my dead cat is Geelong this week. (laughs) Look at those dead cats. Well, it's interesting. Like I was so wrong in my predictions. I said that Sydney, Melbourne, and Geelong (laughs) would not make finals, and they're probably like three teams that can win the premiership this year. It's just... I, I, I actually I was texting with Alex Williams the other day because he's obviously got a strut about him now that GWS are back in the eight. And I didn't say it to him in the text, but like, for how long? It feels like over the next four weeks, that last spot is going to be musical chairs. A bunch of teams are just going to take their turn in the eighth position. Okay, but you know what? Also- let's just do, off the top of your head, yeah. let's do your seedings. So if you were like putting together a betting market of what you think the final eight will be in order. So... What what's your feeling? Just off the top of your head, what's your fi- final eight in order? Um, I reckon Bulldogs, Cats, Melbourne. I don't know if the Swans can finish fourth, but they're in the kind of form where they should. Um, who could? I think Port can still finish fourth. So I'll just say Port, Sydney, 
Eagles. How many teams is that? <laughs> yeah, I think you've got one left. <laughs> and then I was I would have said Essendon last week or Richmond, but they I don't know. Um I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll stick with Essendon. I still think the Bombers have got some winnable games. I think Richmond are just... I believe Richmond is... The body stopped moving. <laughs> I believe there's no twitch. The pulse is gone. I don't think that Richmond... Even though they've got a favourable draw and blah, 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 I don't think the Tigers will make it. Um, Cats, Bulldogs, Port Adelaide, Sydney, Melbourne... Um, so you don't see Melbourne finishing top four? No, I don't think mm. that they will. I think Sydney are going to come home very strong and Port Adelaide have got a pretty good draw. I think I think Melbourne might finish fifth. Yeah. Is that, considering where they were at the start of the year, is that a colossal, not for colossal failure, but is that a fairly disappointing <laughs> second half of the year to have been undefeated for 13 games? and then? I mean, if they got bundled four? straight out of the finals, it would be. But I think that they could still be very competitive from fifth. There's a lot of teams too who... Also, like, this is what they do. Do you remember when it was all about um, training loads? Like, in the late 2000s, it seemed to be that all the good teams would start stumbling in the second half of the year because they were changing. Do you know what training... Can you explain to me what training loads are? Oh, absolutely not. But here's my speculation on what <laughs> <Okay>. it is. <laughs> like, if Everyone I carries had a stab at it, if I was the only guy left, and like, we've heard of this ancient training technique called training loads... Uh, what's, what do you think it is? Here's what I think it is. It's like doing yeah. a mini preseason towards the end of the season. So ah, you're trying right. to get super fit again. But what you are sacrificing is preparing yourself properly for the games on the weekend in the short term because you're not like giving players the rest that they would get or whatever to get them to peak perform on the weekend. But what you're doing is saying, we're doing all this training now, this mini preseason. So when we come into the finals, we are going to be absolutely flying. Can you imagine being in a career that relied entirely on like just the percentages of your application to diet and exercise. Like I, uh, I'm up on the gold coast at the moment. So I've seen a fair few AFL players milling about. I saw Tom Hickey and Josh Kennedy and a couple other guys going for a walk the other day and they looked incredible. And I think that like AFL bodies have morphed over the years. Like they've become much more of these kind of cardiovascular endurance athletes. So they're, super lean like they don't carry a lot of that kind of muscle i mean it is muscle but it's lean muscle they look more like racehorses and i was like i could not imagine like these guys can tailor their body and their diet to peak at exactly the right moment so they know they can you know they get this amount of power from their legs at this amount of time at the year it's like that's a lot of pressure could you imagine being in a career like that well particularly now they all look like high level like track and field or swimming body athletes yeah. like that's what or they boxes like. or, or, or middleweight boxes yeah if if the athletes from the vfl and the you know sample and the waffle and those sort of guys had to compete at the olympics back in the day and they all marched in at the start and like people saw like lee matthews and blokes like that <laughs> like, is darts an olympic event like why is that guy here <laughs> it is crazy isn't it when you think about like when did it happen round about the when it when they became the AFL in the early nineties, is that when when full footballers became professional full time, right? Or was it when they brought in the sports scientists who were like, "This is how you train smart"? Because the other thing that's changed as well is the idea of going to training, you know, four, four days a week or whatever it is, and like getting flogged. Nowadays, like a, a player can go an entire week of training without touching a ball. You know, Buddy will get nursed through an entire week of training. Didn't wasn't a couple of years ago where Buddy only did two training sessions or something for the year, right? And it, everything is individually tailored, and there are like a whole range of. But those things I think coincided. Like the industry yeah. became professional, and then it became full time, and then the sports scientists came in to help manage the full time nature of you know these athletes training and when they should train. So it's all part of the one thing, but. Yeah, I think particularly this weekend, retro round. Yeah, Brent, go back. It would just be great if they just had like, at least you played like one completely out of shape person. Like there just should be <laughs> one on every team. Like some dude who's got a knee injury or whatever and they're like, you know what? We're going to bring you back for retro round. <laughs> Put on well, 15 la- kilos. We don't mind. 
the last time we saw that was two was it two or three years ago when Jack Stephen after he had his mental health break at the Saints and do you remember he came back for that game against Frio and he was carrying like an extra fifteen kilos but he's such a good natural talented footballer he won the game was the best player on the ground but it was such a nice throwback I mean I guess um, uh, Jeremy McGovern he has that kind of all the time like he has that old throwback kind of country footballer body. Yeah, but despite how we body shame people like Jeremy McGovern, like he has a good rig for a normal person. The only reason that he d- looks like he looks like is because he's standing next to all these like super fit athletes, right? Like, athletes. In yeah. the old days, like country footy, all I remember is guys whose jumpers wouldn't cover their guts, you know? So they'd be <laughs> running around with their shorts and there'd be like a gut hanging out sort of midriff in the middle and then like a crop top style jumper that was over their belly. Well, there was that story this week too about um, boxing now being banned from training because of what happened at Hawthorne. And that's another thing that like you'd never... Do you remember the old thing your coaches said you bring your mouth guard to training on Tuesday? Because we're going to smash into each other, it's like, and your parents would sign off on it. And be like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to let my son go and get his head beaten in. Your dad signed guys off on it. Two or three years the old, dentist who was just like, this is great business for me, Charlie. Yeah. Don't you be going around like this is. Your dad forges all the other parents' signatures. <laughs> go on. In fact, don't bring your mouth guards, but we're going to train the same way. It'd be interesting when. I know that you know the AFL is living in fear of the the first kind of lawsuit, the first kind of um, concussion lawsuit that's going to bring bring the game down. But I will be interested to see what the game is like in ten to fifteen years. I'm not one of these people who's like, "Oh, the bump's dead and you can't do anything." I think I'm very much of the David King school of thought, which is like, "Look, you can still be physical, but you just what we're asking you to do is be smarter. Like, if you're going to be physical, if you're going to lay a bump, but also." It's that thing of, you know, Buddy getting away with what was clearly an elbow to the head and a premeditated elbow then. I couldn't believe it when the Swans were able to argue he was off balance and falling. Like, there was nothing about that that was Buddy trying to stabilize because he's off balance. It was like, I'm annoyed and I'm swinging my arm back to hit this dude in the head. And then it got me thinking... You know what it's like, Charlie, when you get slightly off balance and you always steady yourself by throwing back your elbow into the nearest face. That's how we traditionally steady ourselves. But do you feel like, and this is just anecdotally, of course, that Sydney always gets away with this kind of shit? Like, Sydney always seemed to have the rub of the green when it comes to those not even line ball decisions. It's like when Barry Hall was allowed to play in the 2005 Grand Final after he clearly punched Matt Maguire in the guts, 40 metres off the ball. Uh, I think that, yeah. Look, I think that star forwards probably get a pretty good run, is what I would say. Like, I think that, you know, nobody wants to rub Buddy out. So if they've got an excuse to have him keep playing and kick a thousand goals and all those sort of things, it's in everyone's best interest. So you you saying that, like put on your Mick Warner hat for a second. Oh, great. Are you awesome. telling Okay, hang on. <laughs> Are you telling me that yeah. there is, despite there being clear kind of criteria around how a player is, uh, how, a, how an incident is assessed and whether or not a player is suspended, are you telling me that there is... A directive or some kind of um, overt or subverted message that, to keep the best players on the ground. What you'll find, uh, Charlie, is it's the boys' club <laughs> <laughs> who are running the game. Um, yeah, look, I do think there is, and I think really? that there's been four elbows or whatever this year that um, probably all should have been suspensions that haven't been. So I guess it would, there's some been some precedent that an incident like this would, but. I, I find it weird. Okay, so here's just a, a side note to this because obviously the biggest story in the AFL is you've got to protect the head and that's what this story is all about. Like, are we yeah. sending mixed messages about protecting the head? Well, here's another mixed message that I'm going to throw into the mix. I was watching Melbourne and the Bulldogs mm. and I was like, is Clayton Oliver wearing a mouth guard? And I watched him the entire game and I'm almost 100% sure that Clayton Oliver wasn't wearing a mouth guard. Mm. Like, there is a bunch of AFL players who don't wear mouth guards. But, like, yeah. particularly Clayton Oliver. Like, a man who has a face that basically screams punch me. Like, you'd think <laughs> of all players. You'd think that Clayton Oliver would be wearing a mouth guard 24-7 at all times. Like, and in, But to go into an AFL game, the way that he plays, you know, at the bottom of the packs and whatever, mm. without a mouth guard, that just seems 
counterintuitive to the message we're meant to be sending about the sanctity of the head and how we're protecting people. Well, not not really. I mean, it, it's. I look, think it should it, be compulsory to wear a mouth guard. Don't you? Why? Think? But it, well, because but the damage is cosmetic. If you uh, you know not wearing a mouth guard and you cop a hit to the jaw and you lose a tooth, that's like that's not. I don't understand how you're correlating that with protecting the head. Because it's not protecting your head, it's protecting your teeth, which are in your head. <laughs> I mean, sorry, that was the argument I was going to make for the counterpoint. Your <laughs> teeth are absolutely 100% inside your head. Therefore, like, I mean, yeah, but- I understand what you're saying, but it shouldn't it be onus on the player as well? Like, we don't let people dive headfirst into packs anymore. We penalise people for going headfirst. The reason is we're trying to protect the players from mm-hmm. themselves and their own actions. Shouldn't it, also, shouldn't it be compulsory they have to wear mouth guards? Protect themselves the best way they can. I don't think the, but I think the mouth guards are protecting you from a, cos, like I said, a cosmetic injury. Yeah, as but opposed like, to have you ever had like anything cosmetic tooth? Like that's a lifetime yeah, I mean, of fucking I problems. As a junior footballer, I didn't wear a mouth guard for uh, about a year until I got hit in the face and chipped like my one of my front teeth, and then was like, oh, I should probably wear a mouth guard. But that. I mean, there was no lingering effects of that. That, that you know, that I, I didn't think of suing the league ten years later because I chipped my tooth. I know, but there's an element of protection still. Like I've had a lifetime of dental issues around a tooth that I got knocked out playing football. Like annoyingly well, so. Like it's affected me like for thirty years. Well, what a, I mean, is it just because it's in the head? Like, what if a player like you know, uh, like Nat Fife? doesn't strap that dodgy shoulder he's got, you know? I mean, is that something, should he be compelled to strap? Like, should you be compelled to do everything within your power to prevent injury going into a game? Yes, I think so. But what if it inhibits the way you play? What if Clayton Oliver's like, I, you know, I'm a bloody well, You don't beast. fucking kick or handball with your teeth, mate. No, but it might be something to do with the way he breathes. Like, you know, mm. he's sort of, he runs so far in a game, maybe he finds that he can get more oxygen in, you know, without the mouth guard in, or it just puts him off for some reason, or he... You know, he's, he's scared of choking on it or something like that. Well, again, all unreasonable. <laughs> like, learn, <laughs> how, learn how to breathe better. <laughs> like, he's learn how to his not choice. swallow a giant piece of plastic you have in your mouth, you fucking fool. If it puts <laughs> you off your game, well, wah, wah, wah. Put your fucking mouth guard in. I don't know that I think, I believe in players should have to wear mouth guards. I think... I think there's a lot well, of they players. obviously don't have to, and lots of them don't. So yeah. clearly you're on the side of the players themselves, but I just find that a re- really weird that they don't like all wear mouth guards. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd be interested to know if there's someone out there who listens to the show and you don't and you play footy and you don't wear a mouth guard, tell us why. What is the number one reason you don't wear a mouth guard? The only thing I can think of I is mean, the I imagine it's breathing, right? They don't feel like yeah. they can breathe as well. Like I met, but... That's got to be psychological, not physical, right? Because the majority of the players out there are out there wearing mouth guards. And Charlie, I've never seen the evidence, but I'm going to speculate. Most of them are breathing. I believe yeah. that they've worked out a way to wear a mouth guard and also breathe without it like completely destroying you. Well, on mouth guards, tell me this. You know when a forward or a midfielder is lining up for goal and they will tuck the mouth guard into their sock... I always look at that and go, that would annoy me. I think that would put me off. <laughs> I mean, like I would want to give my, my mouth guard to someone else or just drop it on the ground. But the idea of having it inside my sock, I would feel it would unbalance my legs, either my kicking leg or my balancing leg. I agree with you. And clearly they take it out to breathe better. You'd imagine, right? You're going to suck yeah. in some breath. So like it, I, I understand the principle of that. But yeah. I'm the same as you. A, it would feel like something da- was dangling in my sock. And then yeah. B, I have to put my mouth guard back into my mouth when it's been in my sock. And my socks yeah. are like sweaty from me. Or if I'm Harry Taylor, it's all like hammy. I put my mouth guard in, it just tastes of ham. Harry Taylor was in the news this week as well. He, par- he played a uh, amateur yeah. game. I think he kicked something like 17 goals. 17 goals. <laughs> Turns out he was always a forward. <laughs> He's fucking... Crazy. Him and Alex Rance turn the clock back. I love this. I love the idea of like these ex-AFL players going to play out in the bush legs and just doing these one-off games. It's kind of like finding out there's a secret gig. Your favorite band is doing a one-off gig at Nara Cell or something. You can go see it. Yeah. They don't have a new album. They're not going to tour, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> they're doing a favor for a mate and you can see them. 
Hey, uh, Charlie, I thought yeah. that um, we it might be a good week for us to check in with another Charlie. Uh, now that the Brisbane Lions, um, they oh, looked uh, all gone at halftime, but they, they obviously just? came out after halftime, turned it all around and back into premiership contention, I imagine, the Brisbane Lions. So I thought it would be a good time to check back in with the Twitter feed of Charles Cameron. Well, the Olympics are on. I'm sure he's got some hot takes. Well, so I'm, I've gone back to... Uh, the last of his tweets that we talked about, which was on the uh, July the 7th. Do you remember what that tweet was, Charlie? Black Widow. Um, good film or something. Not bad. Seven, seven Not out even. Ten. Seven no, out no. of ten. Black Widow, <laughs> okay. seven out of ten. Okay. You've, you've been too flowery in the your language there, remember? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> his next uh, tweet is not even, no words, just the yeah. photo. The image is a beautiful image. It's the image of uh, Patty Mills. Um, who is the uh, flag bearer for the Australian Olympic team. And it's that image where he's standing in front of the um, the Indigenous flag draped in the Australian flag when it was announced that he was going to be. So he's just posted that. Great. No words. Now, uh, let's get to July 11. Uh, it's a shout out to another sports person who achieved okay. something pretty momentous in July. An Australian July sports person. And think... Charlie Cameron, like Patrick Mills, he posts, you know, um, someone else he might feel like he had a connection with in some way, I think. Uh, Is it a basketballer? No, it's a woman. I'll give you a clue. It's a woman. Okay. Okay. It's an Australian Uh, woman. uh, A a football, like soccer player? No, no, no. Oh, Um, no, the Ash Barty winning uh, Wimbledon. So the tweet, Barty, love heart, love heart. (laughs) <laughs> I just I just anyway he's enigmatic um, I'm going to skip over uh, just a couple of uh, UFC tweets to get to July 11 uh, July 11 I'd, wasn't wasn't July no, 11th it, the Barty tweet it was he, oh, he's had a big he had day a big on July day. the 11th he's watched <laughs> the UFC he's watched Wimbledon and also I don't know if this is in relation to UFC or relation to Wimbledon because it is just, this is the entire tweet. OMG. That's it. That's the tweet, Charlie. (laughs) That'd be Conor McGregor's leg breaking, I suggest. I think so. Um, Jared Sutton put the whistle away. Hashtag O. I'm assuming that's... Origin? State of origin, right? Yeah. Ponga... What a star, Queenslander. All right. right this yeah. is definitely origin. Uh, he skips now to July 21st. He's taken a week off Twitter <laughs> after he's puffed from that little spray of thoughts that he's put out there into Twitter. Uh, it's another sporting event that's brought him back to his uh, Twitter page, Charlie. Um, an international sporting event, a sporting event that often players might, uh, in their pocket profiles, List as one of the sporting events that they would like to uh, go so to. Is, it, is this the is it the Europe the Euro the uh, no no oh um uh what what, what what's happened um oh it's so it's NBA finals NBA finals yeah the is tweet is Harry? yep go on. the tweet is Milwaukee going crazy <laughs> <laughs> like I'm convinced he's a bot like. <laughs> It is so generic. I'm convinced it's a bot. Now, this is what I love is we're off sports and he's back into the world of popular culture and entertainment. And this is where I get very interested in the tweets of Charles Cameron because what is it that, you know, compels him um, to get back there? So it is a... uh, A musical artist is about to do something that he is very excited about. Okay, musical artist. Someone's yeah. about to drop an album, mm-hmm. are they? Or okay, um, is it hip hop? It is hip hop. Well, I imagine it is probably hip hop infused. Oh, hip hop infused. Oh, that's interesting. Um, probably have some gospel, is, some electronica, some. Okay, okay. So, is it Kanye? Mm-hmm. The tweet is, and this is one of his biggest tweets of all time. Come on, Yeezy, drop the album already. <laughs> Hashtag Donda. 
<laughs> so there's just two more. Uh, July 23rd and July 24th. So again, this is what I love. Is like I assume he's watching the Olympics now. And the tweet is, ah, Bruce's voice. How good was that? Hashtag Olympics 2021. And then, and this is my favorite, July 24th. Rory Laird, full stop. That's all. That's all. <laughs> I mean, what's more to say? Played a pretty good game against the Hawks. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> I love Charles Cameron. Oh, I mean, man. do you think he could, in the same way we do player profiles and we sort of like, you know, can you get inside the head? Can you get inside the head of Charles Cameron? Because I yeah, certainly can't. Loves sports. Loves okay, sports. Yeah. Loves the storm. Loves sports. Loves the storm. Loves NRL. Loves American basketball. Loves NFL. A big fan yeah. of NFL. Um, he really responds to other indigenous athletes, you know, Paddy yeah. Mills, Ash Barty. Ash Barty. Um, he's watching the Olympics as well. Um, and then just drops into popular culture every now and then. A Marvel okay. movie or a Kanye album. That's that's here's, Charles Cameron. Here's what I'm asking the listeners to do. If someone has a Charles, Charlie Cameron uh, pocket profile, send it in. Let's put oh, Will yes. to the test. Uh, Will, I've also brought something in, which is actually two of our favorite uh, subjects on Two Guys, One Cup coming together. Um, it's part rowling coverage. It's part twerp news. It is the twerp, Kane Cords, with his opinion on how Matt Rao can get his game going again. Oh, Have you read this article? No. Okay. Well, uh, the headline is clickbaity. Very Kane Corns, the headline. The, there's not a lot of weapons in his game. Can, Kane Cor- can Matt Rao realize his potential? <laughs> He's gone now, is he? Oh, God. Yeah, You've gone. got to love no Kane Corns sometimes. You've just gone... I'm going to go full twerp. Matt Rouse, yeah. no good. <laughs> no good. No weapons. Okay, here we go. So this is from the SEN uh, website by Nathan John. Never trust anyone with two first names. Kane Corns has outlined three steps Gold Coast midfielder Matt Rowe can take to realize the potential he displayed in his first season. The 20-year-old exploded onto the scene in 2020 with nine Brownlee medal votes in his first four games, but missed the rest of the season after a shoulder reconstruction. Raul then sustained damage to his posterior cruciate ligament in the opening round return, ruling him out for a further three months. He's seven games back from that nasty knee injury he suffered, and clearly he doesn't look the same, does he? Corns asked asked SEN. Because he had a major knee injury and a major shoulder injury in the last fucking 24 months, you fucking twerp. (laughs) He's lacking confidence in his body, you can tell. And... That's fine. Okay. So Kane's conceded okay. that it's fine. Yeah. That, you know, it is fine. I mean, it's absolutely 100% understandable, I would suggest. They are significant long term injuries yes. that he's had the shoulder and the knee. Hmm. He's making reasonable okay. points here. I you wonder what? if something's going to shake. Kane Corn's guy, he's talking some sense. <laughs> Raul has averaged just 14.7 disposals since his return, a significant fall from his 2020 return of 21.3 disposals and more than a goal a game across all four of his, of his appearances. Okay. Firstly, misleading stat. Like, of course you're going to have higher averages over four games. And he did start like a house on fire. But um, I imagine if he'd played a full season, that average would have come down a fair bit as he'd gotten like tighter, right? And if the difference is like 14 like or 15, let's round it up and to yeah. 20, let's round it down. But for the sake of that, it's not like it's half a huge as drop much. off. Like it's no. a drop off, yes. But like you said, you've got like more games and he's had these injuries. He's coming off an injury back into the team. Corns wonders how Rao can go about recapturing the magic that had him in contention for the game's highest honour at just 18 years of age. I don't know, I get just, a decent preseason in and get fit and he'll probably be fine. <laughs> Corn said. I, I just wonder <laughs> what his real weapon is going to be in the game for him to be the out-and-out superstar we're all hoping he'll be. He explained. Okay, so okay. he doesn't have... Uh, a, a, an obvious weapon. I thought his obvious weapon was he was an inside ball. He's a great kick for goal uh, and very skillful with his hands. Greg Williams like with his hands. It wasn't that kind of established in his first four games. Feels like three weapons you've just described. Yeah. I don't see any great speed or explosiveness away from the stoppages. Okay. He's not that kind of player. 
You know, like there's not a lot of players who have that kind of explosiveness. There's a lot of kind of inside mids who are just kind of just big, strong dudes. They're not super quick. I don't see a lot of penetration in his kick or a lot of depth or accuracy with his kicking. I don't think that's ever been his strength. Oh, this fucking guy. I tell you what. This this fucking twerp. (laughs) Also, just on like, Ollie Wines is having like a top five players in the competition season. Like, could fucking win the Brownlow, Ollie Wines. He reminds me a little bit of Matt Rowell, I reckon, in that, you know, he had that same, like, you know, you knew that he was a good player, but it took a while for, like, his body to change shape and get, like, right to be playing in the AFL the way that he is now playing in the AFL. And I imagine a knee injury would also affect your confidence. You're running? You're running and your confidence kicking. Your explosiveness (laughs) and your accuracy as a goal kicker. I mean... (laughs) <laughs> the length of your kicks, how accurate they are, and how you explode away from... It's, I don't know. What I, I can't what see I, the connection. What I lo- <laughs> love about Kane Corns is I think he sits there with a whiteboard and he puts up... Who are the most beloved players in the AFL? Like He puts up like Eddie Betts, Max Gorn, uh, Matt Rowell, and he's just like, okay, how can I just flip this on its head? Eddie Betts. Is he too popular? Is he too likable? <laughs> Eddie Betts is too entertaining. That's what I'm arguing. <laughs> Why don't people boo Eddie Betts? I'm asking, Kane Corns. <laughs> um, uh, speaking of Max Gorn, I thought I was being very clever. I sent out a tweet about him being, um, uh, you know, uh, the biggest stepladder going around. Turns out there was about 50 other people to make the same observation. It is interesting though, isn't it? Like, is it just because he is so diligent at getting back in the hole that he's there so often to be jumped on? Firstly, don't feel bad about the tweet because literally you were all just making an observation of a thing that happens in public. Like it's not like there should only be one person who's making that observation. Like Max Gorn is the perfect person to take a hanger on, I think. The truth of it is that he does not buckle. He's like he's a good stepladder. He does not buckle when somebody tries to go on his shoulder. In fact, you got to look at that Waitman one. He almost flicks him up a bit. Yeah. Like, because Max kind of notices this is like small bug on his back. And he's just like, he has this like reaction of like almost to shrug the bug off. <laughs> and it kind of like throws Cody even higher in the air. I mean, it's appropriate, right? That a Waitman who, you know, who's, uh, you know, his namesake was called the flea. <laughs> he <sort of laughs> he like climbed him like a flea. And Max yeah. Gorn thought he had a flea on his back, shrugged him into about as high as Jeff Bezos went. Well, I thought, you know, my little observation, because I, I opened by saying, look, Max Gorn's a gun, but this happened so often. And, you know, that was, a, that, that was a, a, as, um, uh, uh, as mean as it got. But then I was on the AFL website today, or maybe it's on AFL Twitter, and they've put together a compilation of all the players who have taken hangers on Max Gorn. And after you see the player take a hanger, they then show it in a replay, and then there's a slow-motion stepladder like spinning in the middle of the screen. And it's just like, this feels like bullying now. This feels like Kane Corn's got this together. I mean, that fit does feel a bit too much. I feel like the graphic, there should have been someone in that meeting who went, the graphic's too much. We can do the rest, but can we not have the spinning stepladder? Um, all right, back to Kane. So at the moment... Uh, Rowley is struggling to get the ball in tight and break away from those stoppages like the biggest and the best, most powerful midfielders of a similar size, say, and Ollie Wines. So, what is going to be his real weapon? Corns posited three steps Rowell can take over the offseason to rebuild his trust in his body and get his talent to shine. Do you want to take a guess, Will, on what those things are? Um, He's got to do... Some sort of running, some sort of running program or some sort of... (laughs) Correct. (laughs) I mean, none of these are particularly insightful or like, they're quite obvious. I mean, if you're saying... Get in the gym and build the strength so he can trust... Correct. (laughs) Correct. You are, you are two out of your two thirds of a cane corns. Can you go three for three in giving Matt Rowell advice on what he needs to do to get his body right for next year? So you said running... And get in a full preseason. Correct. He's got to strengthen his body, make sure he does his rehab, strengthen his knees and shoulders, get a full preseason in, because it's going to be an issue with the way he plays. I'd try and drop a few kilos. I'd trim up. I'd harden up. I'd look at what Christian Petrarca has done with his program, because he looks like a real rock-solid hard body. I'd also be working with a speed or a running coach to work on that explosiveness to try and break away from stoppages. 
And oh, so there's a, he's thrown a fourth one in here. And I'd be working on my ball use because right now he's a bit of a hack kick out of the stoppages or a long kick down the line. There's not there's not a lot of weapons in his game at the Do moment. Do you know what I love about this shit take by Kane Corns? <laughs> <laughs> is that the two examples that he uses, Ollie Wines and Christian Petrarca, are both people who took like six years to get their body Seven right. years, yeah. But took Petrarca ages. Even last year, people weren't even sure if Petrarca was going to make it. Um, I've I've also brought another piece. Of, this is okay, almost great. the most research that either of us yeah. have ever done for this podcast. None of the stories really directly that related to football, but I think you'll enjoy this one. Uh, it's football related. It's a football okay. media identity. Dane Swan dumped from Kiss One Hundred One Point One gig as he claims the juice wasn't worth the squeeze anyway. So okay, you said little- you said juice, right? <laughs> wasn't some kind of like QAnon anti-Semitic <laughs> claim by Dane? Was it the juice? Uh, retired AFL player turned podcaster and media personality Dane Swan will no longer appear as a regular guest on uh, Kiss 101's breakfast show in Melbourne. Swan was announced as a regular on the show in January. However, Who were the hosts of, of that? Uh, Is that Brownie and Christy? And, no, it's and like Sam, a no. Jason PJ, okay. I think. Don't know who they are, but sure. Uh, however, he told his podcast Hump Day with Swanee and Friends that the station recently called his manager's manager to say what? he was no longer... So, yeah, I... I don't know if that's like a a typo or his manager has a manager. <laughs> that That's the first I've ever heard of a manager having a manager. Um, to say he was no longer required. Okay. Swan said he wasn't sure if the shakeup was due to his own behavior or the show going in a new direction with new co-host Lauren Phillips. They rang me. I think it was after my tweet when I used the word cunt. <laughs> <laughs> I think... It was maybe turning up drunk or not turning up at all or turning up on a Monday morning with my sunny disposition like at 6.30 a.m. <laughs> um, he said uh, it didn't suit his lifestyle. The juice wasn't worth the squeeze, he added. It ruins your weekend. <laughs> wow. Don't ever change, Swanee. I mean, oh, maybe man. you should change. There's a few things you should probably change. <laughs> Uh, well, speaking of Collingwood players, uh, this week's pocket profile is oh. a Collingwood player. And this is a guy that I'm actually quite keen to get to know a bit more of because I like him. He's a much maligned Collingwood player. In fact, the, the talk is that he probably will be delisted at the end of the year. But I think his story is extraordinary. And everything I see of him online, I like. I think he's got a great sense of humor. I think he knows who he is. Do you know who I'm talking about? No. Who are you talking about? Who do you think is one of Collingwood's most oh, Mason maligned? Cox. Mason Cox. The okay. big American. All What's right. your feeling on Mason Cox? Do you, are you a Mason Cox fan? I, yeah. In general, I think so. And, like, I think the story's a good story. Me too. I think, I, and the, I think and that I there's probably a chance that he gets delisted by Collingwood, but another club takes a, like, picks him up, I reckon. I, I think that there's still some juice left in the Mason Cox story. Like I, I yeah. There's still juice there's still juice in the cox. Is that what you think? <laughs> still juice. You know what? And it is worth a squeeze. That's what <laughs> I'm saying to any AFL recruiters out there. Don't listen to Dane Swan. Listen yeah. to me. Mason Cox juice is worth the squeeze. Yeah, give the cox a squeeze. That's what we're saying. Juice that cox. <laughs> um you know he's obviously played a couple of really fantastic big games he's not consistent enough and no the way that he plays doesn't necessarily suit you know modern football but i think his story is a, a good story i'm always stunned when people want to have a crack at him for being this like foreigner this you know american they want to mock him it's like this is this, there's nothing about this story is anything short of extraordinary like imagine having never heard of the sport like 10 years ago moving to another country and then playing at the elite level for the biggest club. It's like it's like you never knew what soccer was. You'd never seen soccer, never played soccer, and suddenly you're playing for Manchester United. <laughs> and you're playing in a final, and you dominate. You kick three goals in a final for Man U. Yeah, man, he's like, fuck Ted Lasso. I love Ted Lasso, by the way. I take that back. Don't fuck Ted Lasso. But <laughs> like Mason Cox is real-life Ted Lasso. Like, he's this dude in this foreign land. And, like, 
that final where he absolutely dominated and everybody around, like, you know, a full stadium, the MCG, just like shouting his name. Like the, the idea that you did not grow up with the game and that you could have a moment in your life where you went and lived in Australia, like, you know, played this professional sport, got to star on the biggest stage. Like what an yeah. adventure. Yeah. And Australians too are such hypocrites because we love when like a, oh, a, a One a of ben ours Graham, does that. Yeah, when Ben Graham goes to the NFL, we're like, see that? He was, a, he was yeah. an AFL player. Now he's a punter. We love it when it goes the other way. And then someone comes here, we're like, it's bullshit. It's making a mockery of our game. Coming over here, taking our jobs. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, uh, as always, um, how well do you think you know Mason Cox? We always ask this before mm. we get into the profile. Don't know. Don't know. Um, I think I you might You know he's have got a, a good sense of humor. Good sense of humor. A bit progressive is what I would yeah. say about Mason Cox. Like, bit of a modern man, like interested in the news, interested in what's going on in society, follows other sports people quite keenly as well, I notice. But yeah, yeah. big social presence. And I should say also a big shout out to uh, Nathan, who has sent me in oh, a, like a dozen, close to a dozen pl- pocket profiles that he's photographed from his uh, own collection of footy records dating back to 2015. So this is oh, a good. couple of years old, I imagine. Um, okay. One of the questions definitely suggests that this is a couple of years old. Okay. Let's start with his nickname. Um, and I'll give you a hint. Uh, could also be mistaken for a former captain of the Adelaide Crows. Jars. Big Tex. Oh, really? Because like, yeah. he's is he from Texas? He's from Texas. I mean, I know. So I thought Jars because Mason Jars. Oh, I was that's like, great. This- <laughs> yeah, that's a slam dunk. <laughs> I was like, right, lock be. it in. I'm like, I've got this 100%. Big text. Okay. Also makes sense. <laughs> um, okay. Sorry. Hang on. Let's got to zoom out on this fucking thing. Um, uh, grand final. Day, twilight, or night? Does he say day because he comes over here and he like adopts our traditions or I think he's more a modern man. I think he's comes from the American, like he's got a bit of showbiz about him. He loves kind of performing on the field. I think he would want to do that like on the stage, either like twilight or night. I'm going to say twilight. Mm, it's a shame. Mm. It's night. I was going to give you a hint and say, what was the best night of, well, what was the best game of his career? When was that played at night? You're That's right though. I think, yeah. I think you're, you're getting close. You're warming up. That's fine. Okay. All right, is he a fan of the bounce? Yes or no? Keeping in mind, he was a basketballer. Well, no, then. No. Who is the most underrated AFL player? Um, former teammate, ex demon. Um, uh, you could, you might say. <laughs> Um, uh, I do feel like the joy of this segment is less in the answers and more in your clues. So (laughs) I'm just trying to think about it. Okay. Um, uh, Okay. So um, doing did done. Oh uh, yeah. Done. Whatever his name was done. Lincoln done. Lyndon done. Lyndon done. (laughs) Um, okay my coach often says blank I will Um, never get fired (laughs) I'm completely secure in my job I will coach this club for life Um, my coach often says it's hmm, it's a three word statement and it's a variation on hmm, ah okay I'm gonna have to give you another clue Okay. Um, all right. The guy who fucked the pie in American Pie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good. The guy who fucked the pie in American Pie. He got cast in a remake of a Tom Hanks comedy classic. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's a cryptic clue. <laughs> oh, my God. I love, That's like... Um, I'm, I'm guessing Nathan Buckley doesn't like look at Mason Cox and say Joe versus the volcano. Uh, nah. So, 
Uh, I don't know. No, tell me. Okay. I'll give you a hint. Okay. So the Tom Hanks film in question is big. Mm-hmm. So if the kid who fucked the pie in American Pie was to play that character in a remake of Big, you'd say... Big... Um, oh, no, I don't know what. <laughs> Bigs play big. So Jason oh. Biggs, <laughs> the kid from American oh Pie. That's a good clue, as you always say. In retrospect. you know what the answer is. A great <laughs> a clue in clue. retrospect. Bigs play big. <laughs> uh, what's the... <laughs> like it, was, it was like Jason Biggs was in a remake of a Tom Hanks film. I'm like, I, I was real lost in your clue. <laughs> it wasn't great. I should have just gone, uh, The Great Train Robber is uh, doing a remake of a Tom Hanks classic. <laughs> the Great Train Robber fucked a pie. Oh, big stuff's big. Big. Uh, what's the best advice you've received? Um, this is kind of like, this is a, this is, uh, this is his first reference at a, a good sense of humor, a self deprecating sense of humor. Um, it's something that you would. Something that you would tell a ruckman if they were kicking out after a behind. Um, don't don't bounce. Don't Close. don't attempt don't, bounces. Don't don't play on from the goal square. I'll give you. That oh one. yeah, okay, right. Uh, Favorite AFLW player is Tegan Cunningham. Least preferred teammate on a road trip and why? Um, never heard of this guy. His name rhymes with Ham McFarty. <laughs> Oh, is it um, Stan McLarty? <laughs> Sam McLarty, you're right. Oh, okay. <laughs> what does Ham McFarty do that's so annoying? Um, it's a it's a common it's a common thing uh, that people do. I imagine if you were in a dorm room or something like that, this would be annoying. Or if you shared a hotel room with someone, this would be an annoying nighttime habit. Oh, um, he masturbates furiously before bed. <laughs> <laughs> it stares him dead in the eye as he does it. <laughs> Sings the American national anthem as he <laughs> masturbates furiously next to me. He talked in his sleep. Oh. Um, uh, who's his funniest teammate? Uh, I've never heard of this guy either. Um, he's, what does he it rhyme like a, with? <laughs> okay. Um, Gail Gerby. Uh, Kale... Kirby. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever heard of Kale Kirby? No. Sounds like a made-up name. Okay. Uh, who? Which teammate would he? Oh no, this is a good. This is a good question. Which teammate would pick themselves first in AFL fantasy? Um, X Pie. Uh, one of the pies that was cleaned out in the in the fire sale of last year. So that should narrow it down. So. He, well, you've got kind of two major choices. One's going to be Adam Trelaw because he would do very well in those sort of things, but he seems a little more self-effacing. And the other one is Jaden Stevenson, who, who seems like the, the sort of guy who would like bet on himself in a game. <laughs> so I'm going to say Jaden Stevenson. That's Adam Trelaw. Uh, That's why they got rid of him, apparently, <laughs> because the other players were annoyed that he picked himself first in AFL Fantasy. Okay. If you could enter a teammate for My Kitchen Rules, who would it be and why? Now, I'll give you uh, the joke and then you tell me who the player is. Okay. Um, he would cast this guy because Mason says, I'd get the top shelf items and he could get the bottom shelf items. Uh, I believe this Jamie guy retired. Elliott. No. Uh, he retired a couple years ago. He was very diminutive. Ford Pocket. Oh. Um, uh his name rhymes with <laughs> um, the first name is really hard to rhyme. Um, married Flair, Jared Blair, Jared Blair. <laughs> okay. Um, another joke answer, and this is going to be hard to guess. So the team you barracked for as a kid, he names an American, uh, Australian football league team. Oh. So, do you know any American football? There's like the New well, York Hawks, isn't there? Or I mean, is it like the Texas Tigers or something like that? It is a Texas team. There's a team in Austin. How about this? I'll make it easy for you. 
There's a team in Austin that share the same mascot as an Australian team, and it's a bird. The Austin Eagles. The Austin Crows. Mm. Uh, most inspiring movie. And if you're going to win over a bunch of hard nozzies, this is probably what you might say. If you're trying to, if you're trying to assimilate and say that this is a, one of your favourite films. Gallipoli. He could also be taking the piss. Crocodile Dundee. Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> Do you think he's taking the piss? Uh, here's what I'm going to say so far. Is <clears throat> I don't think that I have a really good sense of Mason Cox. No. I feel like I'm stumbling around the edges, but I have not fully grasped the Cox. <laughs> <laughs> the best concert he's attended. Um, this guy is kind of like big. Uh, he's, a, he's like a folky kind of singer. Was sort of big in the 2000s, popular amongst surfers. Jack Johnson. Jack Johnson. Three apps you cannot live without. One is a music app. One is a food app. One is a map map. <laughs> a map app. Google Maps. Yes. Um, food, Uber Eats. Correct. And what was the other one? Music, Spotify. Spotify. Uh, his favorite cafe uh is a spin-off of Doctor Who. Torchwood Cafe. Uh, what do you order? What's your favourite order? Not so not a coffee, but just the thing he likes to eat. He'll never buy a house by ordering this. Will uh, avocado and toast. Avocado and toast. So you've, you're three for three now. Mm. I like it. Coming home strong. <laughs> what is his hidden talent? Mm. Um, yeah, this is like something that you might see someone on red faces doing. How about this? If Dwayne Johnson entered Red Faces, yeah. he might have done this. Uh, so, um, so uh, if he'd entered, so Rock. What's a crappy rock. skill that The Rock has? A crappy sort of party trick that The Rock has? Um, that he can eat a whole bunch of things. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Um, he can raise no, his eyebrow. His eyebrow. He would do oh, eyebrow yeah. dancing. Okay, yeah. Um, what's his guilty pleasure? It's like a like a, a coupon thing, like a discount coupon thing. Ooh. In fact, it rhymes with coupon. Uh, Groupon. Groupon. I think that's a coupon thing, isn't it? I actually don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> I've got no idea. It's, maybe it's like some group sex thing. It's like I'm <laughs> yeah, mad for horses. <laughs> Your passions or interests outside of footy um, kind of hinted at it earlier. Um, not a, not a, a very popular pastime. A lot of TV shows dedicated to it. Cooking? Cooking. Uh, what's his life motto? And it's appropriate for a guy like him. And it's a, it's a fairly, it's like a fairly naff, um, motivational phrase uh, uh, telling people well how about this <laughs> you can either go see that um, Tom you can go see that Tom Hanks comedy yeah. or okay, you on. can return to your domicile go big or go home <laughs> yeah. correct um, what is your best trait He's tall. I think, yeah, exactly. I was going to say, I think another Ruckman gave the same answer once. That seems to be, that's their gag. If, you, if you're a Ruckman, that's your gag. I'm tall. Favorite cartoon or movie character? Um, it's a film written by, I believe this is out of the Seth Rogen, Jay Burichel oeuvre. Um, it's, a, it's a very popular teenage character. Uh, a popular teenage character. Known by his surname only, which was not really his surname. It was a pseudonym. Oh, um, McLovin. McLovin. <laughs> and finally, what is his favourite holiday spot? It's an Australian destination. Okay. Where does Mason Cox like to go? Like North Queensland or something like that? Like, yep, 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 yep. You're in the right area. Uh, Maybe an island. Uh, Hamilton Island. Whit Sundays. Uh, They're islands, right? Yep. yep. They are. 
All right. Yeah, you didn't own Mason Cox at all. That was, that was a disaster. I know. I thought I came home a little stronger. Well, your clues you were did. better. You gave yeah, some very good clues in the second half. <laughs> you were very Tom much Hanks like movie. us watching Hawthorne and Adelaide going, wrap it up. <laughs> uh, Will, uh, we often um, put a call out to our listeners to send in questions every week. And we do that at Two Guys, One Cup AFL on Twitter and Instagram. Before we get to those, I just want to let everyone know that I am doing an Instagram live on Friday at 5 p.m. on our Tofop Instagram page. Um, mainly for our Tofop listeners, but if you're a Two Guys One Cup fan and you want to jump on and you know maybe get a question answered face to face or virtual face to face, just uh, join uh, our Instagram live uh, Tofop at Tofop. Um, on Instagram at 5 p.m. on Friday. You can also follow and, us on Two Guys. Oh, sorry, I was going to say, the reason that Charlie is doing that um, and I am not doing something is because I have a new TV show that I can actually now officially talk about. It's called Question Everything. It was an idea that I came up with a year ago and have been working on in various forms over the last 12 months. Charlie has um, been one of the only people in the world that I've been able to talk to about it for the last 12 months and he has been gener enough, generous enough to keep it a secret as well uh, which has been uh, lovely but it is a real thing now there are promos on the TV the press release has gone out and uh, that's good in uh, three weeks from uh, when we are recording this in fact at the time we're recording this our first episode will have already gone to air so um, yeah I'd love if people tune in ABC uh, 8.30 Wednesday nights or ABC IP. Um, all right, let's get to the mailbag. This is from We Are Brisbane. No, sorry, that's him just saying nice things about a podcast. That's not a question. This is from Dan. Which AFL personalities would star in a live-action remake of Wallace and Gromit? Ooh, um, do, do, well, what do you Wallace, know about Wallace and Gromit? Because I don't know enough about Wallace and Gromit. Wallace to know is what... like a, a bald, nerdy inventor, and Gromit is his, like, dog he it's a bit like penny and brain uh, inspector gadget and brains the dog's actually uh, the kind of uh, you know the, the one who does all Ger the jobs jared and robbo yeah perfect great <laughs> by the way we should have a bit of a shout out to robbo robbo's yeah. not well apparently and um it, it sounds like it might be something a bit serious so uh for all the ma the fun we make of robbo it would be sadder if we did not have robbo around on our tvs to make fun of so i hope he gets well soon and while we're um, giving shout-outs to people who want to get better, Ben Cunnington as well, you might have seen yes. in the news, has been diagnosed with testicular cancer. Uh, we'll be taking the rest of the season off to deal with that. Um, horrible news, but I think if there's any dude who's tough enough to overcome cancer, it's Ben Cunnington. I think that once the surgeons get done removing the tumour, just get Ben to have a word with it, <laughs> and it'll be done. We'll be out of here. Won't come back. You know what? I just hope that when they actually crack open his nutsack and it's too early to make jokes about this but i hope that when it all goes well they don't find a tube and they find a a 10 foot fin boy and he can finally be, be happy well someone did point out that uh this week both nat fife and ben cunnington are in hospital and wouldn't be beautiful if they were actually put together in the same ward side by side nat with his shoulder ben with his nutsack two friends <laughs> Uh, this is from uh, Nathan. He says, uh, I'll tell you what's on my mind. Revenge. You besmirched the good name of me and every Nathan I know last week. Besmirched, I say. Do you remember we made fun of Nathan, Nat Fife? Um, uh, I don't know. We did. We just said it doesn't suit Nat Fife. He's, he's doesn't a Nat. suit he's him. Nathan. Nathan Jones. Yeah, yeah it suits like him. Nathan Jones, it suits Nathan him. Nathan Brown. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, not, not Nathan Ablett. Name Nathan is a bad name. Just saying it doesn't suit Nat Fife. If he was Nathan Fife, he wouldn't be as successful. Peter says, "Have you ever thought about doing your own pocket profile and seeing how many the other guy can guess?" That's a great idea. Yeah. That might be something we can do in the off season as a little bonus episode or something. Definitely. Do great that. idea. Brenton says, "Which AFL players would have made the best?" Olympians and which sports do you think they would have dominated and or what is the weirdest Olympic sport you could see an AFL player current or former compete at at the Olympics I think Nick Revolt would have been a pretty good track and field athlete I think there was actually a pre-season camp they did in London where um, is it Daly what's that um, English athlete um, well, whatever his name is Daly Michael Daly no whatever uh, and he said that he reckons Nick Revolt could have competed and fought, done 400 800 metres I think he would have been good yeah, well, obviously, um, Mark Blitzavs was a steeplechaser, wasn't he? Like high, at, high at jumper. A, at a reasonably high level. Um, I mean, I'd, I'd like to see it. Like, I imagine, like, when I do look at the AFL athletes, because of, like, the 
immense capacity to have for being all-round athletes. I wonder what we'd be like as an Olympic nation if we didn't have like this sport that drained drained all our best athletes. All our best all our best athletes. Um, Mark wants to know: Can we work towards AFL being included in the 2032 Brisbane Olympics? Um, maybe they do like nine on like uh, AFL nines. You know where it's just like the 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 hybrid rules version of AFL. I think I'd like to see that. Yeah, and then we or, lose. <laughs> you know what? Maybe every team can be assigned a country. Okay. So like none of these you know, countries necessarily have their own AFL teams, but. You could go through, like, so for example, like, you know, in the Mighty Ducks movie where the Mighty Ducks become the American team and go and represent America at the games. Like, I think that's what it should be like. So whoever yeah. wins the AFL premiership in 2031, yeah. they become Australia's team. Like, we're not going to put yeah. in an All-Stars team. We're going to put in the best team in the competition to be Australia's team. And then, like, New Zealand can get, like, the runners-up or whatever. And then you can just, like, assign the teams out to different countries. That's a great idea. Um, Tim says, "Is go- it's going to be a disaster and disappointing end to this year for me as a Melbourne supporter, isn't it? I, I'm i not as bullish as Will is. Will thinks it's your premiership to lose, I believe. Is the, I, it's is either the Melbourne's or the Cats. Um, Mitty says, if the Hawks do indeed send Clarko on a cruise and maroon him on Gills Island so Mitchell can clear, has clean coaching air in 2022. Who else in the AFL would you like to see on an island with him? <clears throat> well, let's give Ben Cunnington a year off. He'd be on an island, do some fishing. I think he'd love that. He, he would love it. And he'd be a good guy to take, you know? Yeah, he'd need know, some he'd recuperation time, but he'd also know how to survive. Like, first he'd know day, how to build a tent. Exactly. <laughs> Um, if the Rising Star Award was given purely on physical attractiveness, who's the hottest young talent in the AFL? This is from April. Uh, we know we're a big fan of Baz Lenka. He, uh, he, as Will has pointed out numerous times in this show, his Instagram should come with like an age restriction. <laughs> Some of those shots. There's a lot of dick root showing. You know the dick root when players show that, you know, just underneath the abs, there's that little leading down to the penis. Is that dick root? He shows that off a bit too much, I think. I've got to the point where you know when Homer Simpson will be talking to somebody and they'll just be, he'll be imagining like a like a chicken like cooking in an oven. Mm. That's what I'm like when I see him play now. When he kicked that goal <laughs> the other night, like my brain was just seeing him without his top on, <laughs> like just running into goal with his hair flowing behind him in the rain, kicking that goal, and I was like, I've got to get off his Instagram. <laughs> Uh, Pfizer Sose says, nomination for the slowest player who plays like he thinks he's fast. My nomination... This sounds like a setup for something they've been thinking about because it's such a ridiculous question. My nomination would be Michael Hibbard among the current players and Matt Suckling, who'd be an all-time champ. Will you comment on Matt Suckling? Was he a slow player who played like he was quick? Yep, absolutely. And I think that, yeah, he's right about Hibbard too. He he definitely has that about him. Uh, Josh says, everyone has a favorite number, maybe from playing days. What is each of yours? And if you construct a team of all the current players with that number, how does your team do? Mine is four. Say, and it's safe to say my midfield and small forwards are awesome, but unlimited in defense. I've always liked eight and 18s. Uh, currently, Brad Hill has number eight, so that's pretty good. Previous 18s have been Brendan Goddard, Maxi Hudgeton. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. What's your favorite you know, number? Well... I don't know if I have a favorite number. I am okay. so not interested in numbers. We've talked about this before, how I can't remember any players' numbers. I'm <laughs> never associated with numbers. I don't think I have a favorite number. I mean, um, 69, dude, of course. But there hasn't been a lot of AFL players who've worn the dinner for two on their back during their AFL career. A lot of people directing us to the news about Ben Cunnington. Anthony makes a good point. Uh, he says, testicular cancer is a young man's cancer. And while we respect Ben's privacy, it's a good time to encourage all men to check their balls and have their lumps checked. Yeah. Get out there tonight and check your balls, fellas. Um, I, I Look, I mean, and that is the thing. Like, because it's been a bit of, like, there's been a few players in the AFL who've ended up having, you know, similar issues. And I think it is because it is young. It's one of those cancers that is quite prevalent in young people. So if you notice anything unusual... Um, you know, get Go your doctor, doctor. look at it. 
Peter says, here come the Giants, if we get to play the whole season. Mate, I reckon the next four weeks is going to be a ring-a-ring-a-rosy. I don't know who's going to finish in that eighth spot, but I don't know if it's definitely going to be the Giants. Um, Pasha says, is the stand rule the best thing to happen in the AFL since the interchange was introduced? I thought we all went off the stand rule. We loved it. Now we hate it. Where, are we at? <laughs> Where is the outrage meter on the stand rule these days, Will? I still like the stand rule because I think that, like, so the big knock on the stand rule is that the scoring hasn't gone up. And that was meant to be part of it. Um, but I think the games are much better. There's still heaps less congestion. They're still like playing the ball so much more. I think it's a good rule. But I'd like to see them cut down some more interchanges, I think, if they were going to change something. Now, this is a fascinating comment. Um, I think this is this woman responded to you retweeting the two guys, one cup call out for questions oh, yeah. and comments. Okay. So I think this is more, she's one of more one of your fans than a two guys, one cup fan. Because the question was, what's been on your mind this week? She's written, cosplay politicians and meaningless wordplay. <laughs> Can you offer any insight on that? Absolutely not. <laughs> she's angry about something. Um, sounds like an ABC viewer who thinks, well, Anderson really will take does, him down. Doesn't it? But you'll like, take ScoMo down a pick or two. You know, one of those things where you're like, oh, God, I'm not up to date enough with the news <laughs> this week to understand what you're saying. Um, okay, a lot of people wishing Ben Cunnington the best, and that's that, that's that's good too. So, yeah, Ben Cunnington, Nat Five, uh, both in hospital, speedy recovers, recovery, fellas, and hopefully we can write more fan fiction about you next year. But that is the show for this week. Before we go, one last bit of promo. Uh, Will and I are doing our first ever live show at the Great Australian Podcast Festival in Melbourne in November at the Palais Theatre. First time on stage since 2017, I believe. Um, it's not this show, but it's another show we do called Tofop, which is pretty much this show, would you say, Will? Yeah, without the occasional AFL chat, but yeah. it is in the style of this and if you would like to see. And then the live shows are something different again. Yeah. Because it's just, Charlie, they're always very different. Like John Deeks, who does all the intros, will come in and he will uh, be still, part of the night. The but we just, every one of our live shows, we just come up with some different bizarre <laughs> conceit for what it is that we're going to do and then that is the show so like even listening to our usual podcast is no no real indication of whether you'll like enjoy the show or not but yes we are doing it as part of the great australian podcast festival it is at the palais theater which is a huge theater so um if you are in melbourne and you would like to come and see that you know uh, buy a ticket that would be great I'll put a link in the episode description below and you can go to tofop.com to check out all our great podcasts maybe take a listen to tofop and see if you like the cut of our jib before you buy a ticket in fact maybe don't buy the ticket first and then uh, don't listen to the show <laughs> I don't want to speak yet and if you want to... completely unprepared <laughs> and if you want to support the show the best way to do that is at patreon.com um, we should probably start putting up some bonus two guys one cup content yes. on our tofop uh, patreon because that'll probably be a good way to get you guys interested maybe we'll do the pocket profiles there anyway stuff we can talk about later play on not 15 ball we are two guys one car